Hi, it's Tracy Crossley. Welcome to my special series, Surviving to Thriving, Overcoming My Darkest Moment, where I will interview guests on how they felt their way through a major emotional low point to create a fulfilling, abundant, and successful life. So hey there, everybody. Welcome once again to Surviving to Thriving, My Darkest Moment. And yes, this is all about that today. Today I have a new guest and her name is Alana Pratt. Alana, welcome. Oh, it is so great to be with you. And I love that we're only like a few hours apart. Sometimes I'm interviewed on the other side of the globe or what have you. So I like that you're my sister just up the coast. I know. I love that too. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Alana. So Alana is a relationship intimacy expert. And Alana also is about Gosh, a lot of things that I'm about, it seems. But anyways, (laughs) she's a weekly contributor to the Good Men Project, an expert on CBS, TLC, Fox, Forbes, People, and Huffington Post. She's a cum laude graduate of Columbia University, is the author of four international books, and coached Lisa Gibbons during Dancing with the Stars. And she's the host of the sexy, empowering podcast, Intimate Conversations, to guests like Emmy Award-winning Alanis Morissette. Over 2.7 million viewers on YouTube look to Alana when struggling to trust again after a harsh breakup. So that is quite a bio. (laughs) Thank you. I've been at this for almost 20 years now, so it adds up. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. So I find that most people I talk to have been in some way, shape, or form what they're doing now is totally related to what happened in the past, like at a darkest moment. So I like to start though before that, like what kind of led up to your darkest moment, you know, a little bit about your childhood, a little bit about what was going on in your life and just go from there. Mm. So I'll start you off in the living room. I'm a small town Canadian girl. So I was dancing around the Ottoman uh, to Jesus Christ Superstar Broadway music. I was five years old, um, like a little Sufi and then boom my dad's hand went through the wall. I apparently didn't hear him say, quiet down. Uh, So my dad was drunk, uh, alcoholic, uh, drug abuser, pharmacist, had the best of the best of what he could take. Mom was codependent, just keeping it together, two little girls. And so I grew up from a very little age, kind of like in this permakegel, you know, how do I stay three steps ahead to be safe? It was all about safe, got to be safe. And there's all the ways you can do that. Look good, be, you know, when he says, oh, I was around all weekend. I'm like, no, he wasn't around all weekend. And I'm the crazy one. So just navigating all of that um, and trying to, you know, the people pleaser and uh, anything to, to get good grades or to be hired or to get the guy to like me or using sex as a manipulation, just anything to be safe. And all the while looking good on the outside, you know, come Lottie graduate and you know what, we have to look all good, but on the inside, just terrified, terrified. So fast forward, I didn't even- Let me, let me stop you for a second. What exactly were you terrified of? Was it other people, strange situations? Like what? Life, Life. you can be yeah. joyful, and relaxed and free and dancing and boom, like, wait a minute, you can't relax on this planet. You can't trust men. Um, my hero is, is now my, you know, perpetrator. Like he, he wasn't keeping me safe, but it was like life wasn't safe. Mm-hmm. So this three steps ahead to achieve, it was really to achieve safety. Right. Even though I achieved a lot of other things as well, it was to achieve safety. And so, so fast forward all these years later, husband, number one, 
tall, dark, and handsome multimillionaire. I thought, well, that's what I'll do. I'll marry a Wall Street guy and, and everything will be easy. That didn't work. Mum died, um, very, very quick death. And I thought, okay, I need to quickly find somebody to replace her, have a child. Again, heart closed, out, out of my body, searching ahead of me to try to get safety, security, approval, all of this. And I finally just went once, um, I had my second divorce and I had an infant and my mom was just under a year dead. And I'm like, okay, the only one in common here, <laughs> that would be me. So let's look at what's causing this. And Let I started something really quick though about that. Yeah. What was it that even made you go, wait a minute, it's me that's the common denominator besides the fact that your mom died and here you are with an infant, there had to be, I would think some kind of moment that came where you're like, holy shit. No, I've always been a seeker. I've always been courageous. I've always been willing to take responsibility. I've always seen, like I'm very smart and I'm very educated and I have all the right courses, but I've also been very intuitive. I see symbolism in things. I see energy in things. I sense what people don't say. So I've always had this sort of psychic skill and the good brain. I think another reason actually, and you're quite, you're spot on here. Back when I was 16, my best friend died. Hmm. That was another boom moment where I'm like, what? My cat hadn't died. My grandma hadn't died. People die. My best friend dies. So, and there was a moment and it was so beautiful when it, well, it wasn't beautiful when I first found out the news, but my friends took me bike riding. And as we came back down to the cabin, it happened at the lake, um, at the cabin, it was a beautiful day, not a cloud in the sky. But as I came back down the hill with my friends, there was a double rainbow right over my cabin. And I, I just, and I read it as a sign. I'm like, okay, so I had like two choices, two rainbows, never meet them, never feel this pain or meet them and learn how to keep my heart open in the face of anything and keep going. No brainer, right? So I chose path number two. So I think that's what led me to hop on Uncle Phil's 18 wheeler semi when I left Canada down to LA and then over to Tokyo and lived all over the world, New York city, et cetera. So this, um, this capacity to look, feel open, move forward. Um, it was, it was a choice. I think that being 16 years old really supported me in that. Um, and, and I, and I, uh, I'm willing to ride the wave of emotions through to the other side. And, and I feel very much like a, like a warrior priestess. I, if I had to like, I'm either like the, the statue of Liberty or maybe like this naked chick with like long hair and a dagger on a horse. Like I just have this, like nothing will stop me. Um, from finding truth. And ultimately, my purpose is to just have total, delicious God uh, consciousness, like in my body, like oneness in my body. I mean, I, I'm not into like sitting on a, in a cave and having it all like when I'm away. I like in life, mm -hmm. how could I have my eyes wide open, heart wide open and, and have this delicious union with who I really am. And this was from when you were 16 or this is something that you've come to since you were Well, this is something that I've, that I've come to as I, as I'm, mm -hmm. so 16 was another moment that gave me this choice. Right. But here I am after two divorces and I'm breastfeeding my baby and I'm willing to take responsibility that the only one in common here is me. I knew enough to know that I'm in charge of my life. I'm creating my life because it didn't feel good when I heard people blame, make excuses, justify. It just made my skin crawl. I'm like, that's not the path. But when I first started to look inside, Tracy, I didn't like who I saw. I didn't, first I didn't even know there was an inside. Right. But what even made you turn inside? Because I know for me, 
that was big. Like I had to go, wait a minute. I'm the, I had a same, I had an epiphany where I said, Oh, I'm the common denominator as well. Mm -hmm. It was, I was stuck in circumstances at the time that made me go, Hey, guess what? You can't run from your emotions. You can't run from this. You keep trying to, you can't do it. So that's Mm -hmm. why I was curious, like with where you were at the time to Mm -hmm. go, how do we even have the wherewithal to know that, you know, that to me is a deeper question. There was never a moment that made me go, oh, we should look inside now. No, it's just sort of always been building. Another important moment that um, also woke me up is when my mom was dead right in front of me. And I I knew enough to know I had a choice to keep my heart open or close it. And they were like, you know, do you want to give her organs? Checkouts by noon. And she's fucking dead sitting right there. And I'm like, "Mm, in a minute. And I just like took this moment to really open my heart, breathe three or four times. And it was the worst pain I'd ever experienced. But because I kept breathing and kept opening, all of a sudden I had this head to toe experience of like bliss, like oneness through the path of pain to bliss. Hmm. That's curious. And then that next weekend, my sister got married, which was sad. And I decided I would just have sex with my, what's that? Why was it sad that your sister got married? Because well, because my mom just died. She, yeah. my mom wasn't at the wedding, so my sister had to celebrate her wedding on like a week after her mother died and try to celebrate. It was so hard for her. So we just pretended mom was on vacation. We drank a lot. We celebrated the best we could, but everybody was on pins and needles. Like you just don't know what to say, right? Um, but anyways, I got pregnant that weekend, and so nine months later, there I was giving birth to my baby, the very first time I could ever look in his eyes, and my legs are splayed and I'm birthing the placenta and there's people everywhere. And it was another one of those moments. Am I going to pay attention to, yes, we'll be out by noon. You can take her organs. Or am I just going to be with my dead mother? It was like, am I just going to be with my little boy who's looking at me for the first time? Or am I going to be more concerned about everybody else in the room? And I'm like, no. And again, heart open, breathing three, four, five breaths. And it was the same head to toe moment of bliss. And I instantly saw a heart One path was pain and the other path was pleasure. But if you keep your heart open, you you reach bliss both ways. So life was giving me all these examples of like, do you, your friend died, are you going to keep your heart open and move through this or shut down? Your mother died, your baby's born. Like life just keeps giving me this this, um, training ground to keep my heart open in the face of anything and know the oneness that's possible. So it's like, okay, well, where's this oneness coming from? Where's this bliss coming from? Who am I really? And again, I've always, um, I don't think it's wise to ever work with a coach or therapist that's not coached or in therapy themselves. And so I've always been a student, always taking courses. And so every course that would come in my uh, reality, I would be feel into it. I'm like, okay, that feels light. Okay, let's go do this course. So I was always being taught by wonderful mentors, more techniques on how to go inside. When I moved to LA, I started going to Agape. So I finally found um, a spiritual center that didn't have the dogma of a church. So it really resonated as well. So you just sort of add up all these pieces and you kind of have this spontaneous combustion of, of insights and realities. And when I would be with my little boy, he wouldn't talk to me when I'd change his little diaper. He'd be talking to something over here, full on. And I'm like, okay. And I could feel it. I could feel some energy. I'm like, okay, there's something else going on. So I just kept exploring the other realms the best I could. And even the dark realms, when my mom died in the hospital, she, um, her voice went really weird. She'd been out of it for three days. Like we're talking, you know, catheter and morphine, like out of it, almost dead. 
sat up with this strange voice. You are trying to take my money and I need to get out of her. And she started to get out of the bed. And she, and I said, mommy, mom, stop. And she bit down on my hand through the skin, through the tendons, through the muscles. Like it was horrible. And, and, uh, the nurses came in and got her back because some demon had got in her. She was all probably checking out heaven, you know, on drugs. Her body was a, a vessel to be taken over. And this really nasty demon took her over, but then it went into my body and I had the worst stomach cramps, not like gas. I mean, I, you know, it was awful. And so again, I have all these different teachers. So I called and they said, oh yes, a lot of demons hang out in hospitals because people are about to cross over. And I'm like, okay, that's a lot of woo woo shit. I don't know if I believe in all that demon stuff, Mm -hmm. but all these different circumstances are inviting me to engage in the other realm, engage in the energy that we're truly made of, engage in this inner relationship with self, engage with this relationship with the divine. So I learned how to clear a demon. And then Next thing, of course, all the clients that need their demons cleared showed up for me. So wait a minute, were you, okay, were you doing this kind of work? Like I wasn't clear before that, like what you had been doing. When I actually started to do all this work, yeah. So let's see, when I was 19, that's when I went to LA on Uncle Phil's Semi. Lasted three months because I didn't, I wasn't American, couldn't work. So I moved over to Japan and worked there for four years as a dancer, as a model, as a spokesperson, as an English teacher, very successful four years there. That's where I met husband number one, moved to New York city, couldn't work again in America. Um, but I could intern at CNN and intern at entertainment tonight and, and all these various things. And that's when I started to take workshops and personal growth workshops. And so we were together six years, moved over to LA and that's when I'm like, ah, oh, agape all these cool courses. These are my people, my spiritual people. So I'd been taking uh, workshops all this time. And then once I got to LA, I started to lead my own workshops and started to teach uh, as, a, as a coach. And I think I actually put my shingle up, like officially incorporated back in 2005, but I was volunteering at various uh, organizations for that the good first part of the five years to really get, no, this is a gift. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. That's what I was curious about. So then what is it so i don't know that you know we really covered what the darkest moment is but what is the darkest moment what brought you there what happened the darkest moment was with i divorced the second husband within a year and he didn't like it and the revenge began and it was a 12-year court battle and i lost the house all the savings went into a quarter of a million dollars of debt was humiliated on the stand and uh, he, was na- he was nasty. It was like the worst shadow masculine. And I wish I could give you your, your TV moment that you're looking for, but that's not really how my life has worked. Um, one of the darkest moments was when my son said he wanted to kill himself when he was nine, the first of three times that he was in 5150 during this horrible 12-year battle. Why won't you and daddy stop fighting? And the police officers just keep knocking on the door, dragging me into court with another set of, you know, papers. And so that's when I said, well, the only thing I've tried, I've tried nonviolent communication. I've tried therapy. I've tried all this stuff to get along with him. Even though I've divorced him, let's co-parent. Let's do, he has no interest. What I never let him do though, was win, look good, dominate, make me look bad. Mm -hmm. So when my son said he wanted to kill himself, I said, well, I'm going to let go of my side of the tug of war kind of like that King Solomon story when, you know, whose mother, who's the mother of this child and the one who's the real mother says, oh no, take it rather than cut the child, right? So I said, fine, um, we're going to have you live with your dad 80% of the time 
just for six months. Let's see how it goes. Let's see if he calms down. And, and I love you and I'll be there, you know, every third weekend, but let's see if this works. And that made everything way worse, not better. Um, so that was probably a dark, one of the darkest moments. Um, but I, but it's, but it's part of, of being a mother, you, this willingness to sacrifice for your child beyond your preferences. And it was a, a journey. I'm sorry, I don't have this big moment you're looking for, but it was a, a long ass journey of how to stand up to a bully. Hiding doesn't work. Overcompensating doesn't work. Justifying and proving your worth doesn't work. Uh, how could you doesn't work. Surrender does work, but surrender not from a, a giving up, giving in place, from a very fierce allowing place and a connection to source that there's something bigger going on here. I mean, I'm a very powerful woman. If I'm gonna fight for 12 years and lose, there's probably another path that the universe wants me to take and my son to take. And so fast forward to this very, very moment right now, he lives hundred percent full-time with his dad. He's 15. He doesn't even want me, my son doesn't even want me on the school records. Doesn't even want me on the email list because any sniff of me makes his dad go see red all these years later, 16 years later. And how does that make you feel? Like, where are you at with accepting it? I mean, emotionally, where does that put you? Well, when it first happened, when the split first happened, my son needed to really push me away. So the dad arrived in the driveway and my son used his size to push me around and, and say, dad was right. You're crazy. It was awful. It was awful. I couldn't call the police to protect myself. Well, I could, but we had been to 51 or been to social services like 12 times. And they said, if we ever see you again, he's going into foster care. So I didn't want that to happen. So I put up with a lot of, of abuse from his dad now from the son. And I'm like, okay, I've not been able to solve this cycle. And so I, I, I hid behind the door. I let him take all of his stuff. They drove off. I, I uh, packed up my stuff and I moved out to a cabin in the middle of nowhere outside of Palm Springs. And I cried for a good month. And uh, again, it's a choice. Is this happening against me? Cause I'm a loser. That's one point of view. Or is this happening for me? Because it's my spiritual transformation. So I guess if we, if we, more recently had to find that darkest, darkest moment was like, oh, all of this. And even my son turned against me. Do I have any worth? Is there a reason to live? What do my, what does my community say about my capacity to heal relationships? <laughs> well, I'm quite a loser in that department. I was single. Well, that's lovely. I'm still in debt, paying off a quarter of a million with all of these legal bills. I'm just like, what the fuck is the point of this life? And, and the beauty of being able to surrender that much and listen that much inside and receive signs and do your inner work um, was that, and this is a really deep moment. I had to recognize where I am, my ex, where am I this rageful conniving fuckhead? Now I can, I can, I can take responsibility pretty easily of like where maybe I don't talk to myself nicely or where maybe I judge myself, but where am I that to others? <gasps> Me? No, I'm a perfect person and I'm a spiritual person and I'm blah, blah, blah. No, according to another's point of view, where am I a lying, conniving fuckhead? And I saw it. I saw it the day I divorced my ex-husband 16 years ago. I had said, I will marry you forever. Mm -hmm. And I lied. And I humiliated him. And according to his lower, I believe I'm a more enlightened soul, not a better soul, but I do my, do my work more. But from his wounded point of view, he had every right 
to think that I was the lying, conniving fuckhead who deserved everything he put me through. And as soon as I could sit with that, it's called equilibration. So instead of just focusing on the one half, I saw the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And everything got quite quiet inside. And I forgave him. I, and I didn't condone him, but I forgave him. And I also forgave my son. He's just trying to find peace in this hell that he's, you know, chosen, I believe. Um, and, and I said, okay, you know, I trust one day he'll wake up. He might not be till he's 30. And at this point, he hadn't called me in five months. I hadn't spoke to him in five months. I was in the middle of nowhere with his cabin, just trying to keep it together. Um, and when I had that moment, he called. It was around my birthday in January. He goes, mom, I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't know how else to find peace. I'm sorry for all the damage done. I want to live with dad. It's the only way we can have peace, mom. You're strong enough to live on your own. Dad isn't. I'm going to live with him till grade 12. Don't come to town. Don't come to baseball games. Don't come to anything at school. I don't want you on the records. But can we go for facials and hamburgers? (laughs) I'm like, okay. And so then I did my forgiveness work to him that he's doing his best to discover his manhood. How, how, How horrible of me to judge him from this about me, 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 like I need to exercise my custodial right. I'm like, no, I, I, he's finding peace. I'm going to applaud this. I'm going to let him know that I miss him and I love him, but on some level he's, he's almost protecting me. Right. No. And I can understand trying to find in a crazy situation, some kind of equilibrium. I also understand looking at someone as a mirror. And I talk about that all the time because people mirror us. I don't care if they're strangers or people you're having a relationship with. And it's a great way to provide insight to yourself. It gives you that awareness that you didn't have. So mm-hmm. you use this everywhere in your life. So what I'm curious about, you know, with your son now living with his dad and all of that, where does that leave you? Like I get the, you know, the inside work that you've been doing. So, so where does that leave you? Where are you in your life with everything? Well, it's, again, it's another choice. I could be a bitter bitch. I could be a victim, guilt tripping, you know, shaming mom. That's a choice. I choose not to choose that. I choose to keep asking, so what's the gift in this? What's right about this? And if this is for me, not against me, what is it that I'm maybe a little scared to step into? But this is actually giving me the opportunity to do it. So shortly after that happened, when Gabriel, my son Gabriel called, I met an amazing man. So I've been in this beautiful relationship with this kind, supportive, hot, uh, loving, huge-hearted man ever since then. So I let in love. I, I chose it on some level, but I wasn't seeking it on Match.com. He showed up in the driveway, actually. He was my landlord's son, and they were showing up to give me my packages in my little cabin in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, whoa, hello. And he lives in San Diego, which is why I now live in northern San Diego, so we can you know, give our relationship the best choice. I have a, I'm a very driven woman. I have a lot of um, dreams in my career, TV show, and I've written four books. So the next book, and I've never quite been willing to um, publish with a, with a publishing house and take it to the next level for fear. Cause I've been dragged into child support court. I've been dragged into court so many times. As soon as I get shining, he comes after me. So I've been kind of living like this. So my, what's next for me is to shine in the face of it all and not be scared by him and have my North Star be who I'm here to serve. And my business has exploded. I'm out of debt big time. I'm investing in cryptos and options. And I'm flying to Scotland on Tuesday. Someone's asked me to come do work with them. It's like so much abundance, so much success. Um, 
and connections and the next level coach for the next level of my business. I'm just giving myself permission to shine and so, serve. Let me ask you this too. So how long has it been? Because I guess I'm a little bit off on time. Has it been that long since your son basically went to live with his dad? And also, um, you know, I wanted to know just a little bit more too on how this has changed your day-to-day -day life. Obviously, you don't, you're not a mother to a child that you're taking to baseball and you're doing these things with. So, you know, I'm just curious about that as well. Yeah. Well, somehow I kept a business going and never had to work at Starbucks this whole time. I don't know how I did it. <laughs> so, um, but it, a lot of my um, community really loves my level of vulnerability and really cheered me on. And I didn't pretend I was this perfect guru. I said, this is where I'm badass and this is where I'm wobbly. And, you know, this, so it's a very safe community. So it was last August. So we're in July. So about a year ago when he packed up his stuff and left in the driveway and then I moved out in September to the cabin in the middle of nowhere. And then I met the guy in the driveway in October as a friend. And then Gabriel called in January. And then in February, bound, chicka, bound, bound, got it on with the guy <laughs> who was out there um, for, for the weekend. I'm like, okay, do you like me as much as I like you? Wow. Um, and then I moved into this place that I'm in right now in Northern San Diego County in May. And we're doing this interview in July. So, um, and within that period of time, it's so amazing once you let go of where you think you should be going and it's the, you know, the right thing to do and it's conclusion based and damn it, it's the, it's, I'm justified in doing what's right and I'm a good mother and I'm going to be a good mother and make sure everybody knows I'm a good mother. And when I let go of all of those conclusions, all of the self-judgment, all the worrying about what people thought, completely let go, it did all the inner work. That's when all the, you know, the, the clients are just like, and the great new coach and great new TV show and like all this stuff in the next book, it's just flowing. So within a very short period of time, it's like I took the, um, I'm not into cars, but I've heard there's this governor valve or something. You take that off and the car goes really fast. It feels like that's what I've taken off and the energy can flow. And, and it's still, I'm still working through my fears because it's like, I'm going to show up big and bright and he's going to do what he's going to do. And now though, my son is so much older. He's like six friggin' three. Um, he now has the capacity to go, wow, mom let go, mm -hmm. mom allowed. And then she showed up and shined. And either dad will do two things, allow her to shine. He won, he got the kid, or he's gonna go after her again. I can't control that. But my, and I was always so, oh, well, I don't wanna shine because then it'll cause more pain for my son. I like, no, no, no. He's old enough now. He's going to see who his dad really is. Can his dad let go and allow as well? Or is his dad going to be angry and rageful forever? And he'll have his own growth and his own karma with his dad based on whatever his dad does. So that's them. Fine. Love you. Bless you. Release you. I am shining as big and bright and contributing as much as I can. And, and my son is, is supporting me in that freedom. That sounds, I mean, that sounds probably in the situation you've been through, like yeah. the best of all worlds in terms of how you're seeing it, because it's either you just dig a hole and crawl in it or you keep going. Right. And I did crawl into the cabin and cry for a good month. I mean, I, I will admit it was a rough month, um, but, but there's something about surrendering all the way and feeling your pain and really getting to the core to get the message, not spiritual bypassing with a good attitude and 10 more affirmations. Although I like affirmations and all the rest of it. When these real life moments happen, when we're on our knees, stay there, breathe, feel, open. Yes. You know, it's interesting because I, I, you and I have very similar philosophies and I teach a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. 
And one of the things that's really difficult for people is to feel their feelings and to stick with it. I always mm-hmm. call it riding the wild pony because it feels like that. It comes in waves. And so when you're talking about that in your own experience, what was that like? You know, you're crying for a month, but I'm assuming you're also feeling pain and you're allowing it. Like what? Oh, and I'm talking to clients and I'm doing interviews and I'm doing my podcast and I'm writing my newsletter. I'm still like living, right? right? But like at the beginning of the day and the end of the day, it's not like, let's just sit and have a glass of wine and chat with a friend on Skype. It's like, we're going to cry our face off. Um, I've developed a curriculum over the past um, 18 years. And one of the pieces is like these transformational processes. I've learned enough to know that sprinkles on top of the ice cream cone of shit don't, doesn't work and mm-hmm. dipping our toe into emotions and then pulling out doesn't work. That only going to the core, into the subconscious, into navigating the flood of emotions um, until we're on the other side is the only way to retrain the brain and the central nervous system and, and shoot off happy dopamine, you know, bonding hormones with your little one inside versus cortisol and disconnect from the divine, et cetera. So one of the processes I call is little you. And I know that if we open up our heart and operate it, there's not a little stick person in there, but, but the idea for the brain, the brain doesn't know the difference. And everywhere that I couldn't be with my emotion, when I could imagine, like as a mother with my son, when I could imagine holding her and not fixing her and not trying to put her in a better mood, but to literally imagine as I was sobbing and I would hold a pillow and I would hold her and I would really, really work on the image the emotion, the body sensation, the words, I got you. You have every right to feel this way. I got you. Tell me more. I would never say it's going to be fine. I would always say, tell me more. So I can go deeper, 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 deeper until there was nothing else to tell me. And then something flooded my whole being. And I know physiologically, you know, I was transforming. Okay. We can, and she felt held by me and the brain knew. And then somehow simultaneously the universe was holding me. I just did this over and over with all these different moments until I really have gotten phenomenal at navigating intense emotions all the way to the core as I hold space for others. And I'll also say that I've always had a coach. Some of them I just couldn't do on my own. I, I, the better I get, I do get quite good at this myself, but there's nothing like somebody being the banks of the river so you can just be the river. So sometimes it was really just in a healing session with my coach to just let her rip knowing they heard me, knowing they understood me, knowing they validated me, knowing they weren't going to fix me one little bit. They were just, they were willing to sit there. And when I do this inner process, the little you process, I, I say in the, the, the script, in the, in the recording, I will sit with you for eternity if that's how long it takes. Not until you like get better because we got a client in an hour, you know, like they, they won't relax all the way. If, if there's a timeline, if there's an agenda, if there's a strategy, if there's an, an order to, Like if you really are willing to let go of all your dreams for the moment, all of your accomplishments and achievements you want, all the outcomes you want, and just mean it, I will sit with you for eternity. Something happens inside your being. And that little part of you that's only seeking love ultimately from you, from ourselves. Wow, do you, oh, so you don't just love me conditionally. Oh, you actually love me unconditionally. And I could be like this, a mess the rest of eternity and you'd still love me? Oh, and that's when the grace happens. That's the, that's the magic. That's the moment where I don't do it to myself. I don't do it to my clients, but it's a spaciousness. It's an intention. It's an energy and it will create miracles. Yeah. It sounds like it. I mean, and it sounds very similar to what I do too. So I totally get what you're saying. So I would think that it would bring back the rejected parts of yourself, the parts that you've rejected, the parts where you put them sort of in a dark corner 
and said, nope, you don't get out. You stay over here because I don't feel safe. Because going back to how you didn't feel safe from childhood forward. And so let me ask you one other question and then we'll start to wrap this up. Um, you know, in your current relationship, you said, you know, you've got a wonderful guy, which is great. Congratulations. But what is different about you in this relationship than when you were in your prior relationship? Mm, a lot. Um, he's, I'm not perfect. He's not perfect. So even though he's like phenomenal, um, I believe life is equal challenge and support all the time. And so a relationship is going to be equal challenge and support. But the question becomes, is the way he challenges me for me, for my vision, for my contribution to humanity or not? Because everyone's going to piss you off in some way. So one of the challenges that I am with this relationship, I mean, losing your million dollar house and your quarter of a million savings and then going into a quarter of a million debt was like so much financial, like, oh, and I became a really good businesswoman as a result of paying it all off and hiding my money. So I didn't have to pay child support when he took me to court again. Like, but I really just wanted a, a billionaire. <laughs> I'll just be honest. I just wanted like, can somebody rich just pay for the rent for one fucking time, please? Um, and so, uh, my boyfriend that is not a billionaire. Um, and so when I was getting to know him and seeing all the ways he supports me and challenges me, one of the challenges is it's still up to me to, to make the money. And now, is that challenge for me or against me? So if I really told the truth, Tracy, if I had a billionaire, I don't know if I'd write the next book. Tahiti sounds really good. Like, you know, like I've been through hell for a long time. I would just like to check out for a while. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, do my next TV show. I, I wouldn't show up for my clients. I wouldn't just keep doing what I'm here to, to do. Like I just got a text this morning from a client who got divorced at 846 this morning in Maine or like, and she, and, and it was when she came to me, it was like hell and craziness. And through all the work I did, it was this calm, easy, quick resolution of conscious uncoupling. And I know it's because I was able to give everything that I learned to her. And she has now a peaceful life. Her daughter has a peaceful life. He wasn't emasculated. She was honored. Like everything worked. I'm like, okay, that's so worth it. And so long story short, one of the challenges in this relationship and who I'm being is no longer the victim. I just need a billionaire. It's a, it's a humble receiving of my path. Okay. I will keep working. I will keep serving. I will keep being a contribution and be grateful for the quinoa vegetable medley in the fridge that he makes for me so that I have healthy food in between my clients all day long when I normally eat cheese and crackers. So like all the different ways how he just made love to me this morning before the day started and made sure I did my meditation and my stretching and I had my coffee already like, wow, he supports me in a way that really helps me shine. Right. So he's so grateful. Yeah, I was going to say he's basically there. So it's an emotional relationship that you're actually having emotional intimacy, um, getting closer rather than apart. So those are the things that have probably come from all the lessons that you've learned about the importance of having an actual bond with someone that is emotional in nature, right? Yes. And only possible because of my willingness to have an intimate relationship with myself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's not like he doesn't provide financially, but, but, but we have like a richness in spirituality, a richness in our sacred sexuality, a richness in our emotions and a richness in his creative support to my business with videos and graphics, et cetera. It's, um, it's, it really feels like it's what the divine knows is best for me, not what my conclusions, which is another theme of this whole period. Like I thought I knew how it should go down and what peace looked like. I had no clue. So um, it's been a humbling journey. 
but it's been such an empowering journey and such a journey of connecting with intimately with me and with the universe so that there's a, I don't know, like, I, I hope life goes well, but if it doesn't, it's going to be okay. Or I, I hope this, that, and the other happens, but if it doesn't, like, there's this quiet secret sense of, no, the universe knows what it's doing. Just breathe. Enjoy yeah. the ride. Yeah. Celebrate the process. Yep. I was going to say universe always knows what it's doing and it really is a mirror for where we are. Mm -hmm. It always is providing whatever is inside of us. It is outside of us as well. That's at least. Yeah. So um, in wrapping this up, is there anything else that you feel is relevant to share about your darkest moment? And if not, please feel free to share about what, you know, what, where people can find you or any other pertinent information about your work. Mm, thank you. So yeah, if we, of all the dark moments, if we chose, which one did we choose? Probably like in the cabin in the middle of nowhere. Um, some of the elements there of surrender were, were nature. You know, really, we're not just these little robots. We are energetic beings that are connected to the energy of the earth. We are connected to the divine, that there's so much support, so much guidance, so much love, so much gratitude that we're willing to fall down seven times and get up eight so in your darkest moment, be, if you can, even in your crunchy state, open in your crunchy state, just open just a little bit more because there's a flood of support right there, but we have free will. So we need to open ourselves um, and to choose the support of someone like you or someone like me to, to be there. It's really good to have someone to lean into. Um, so I want to complete with that. And I have so many resources. I have a wonderful podcast on iTunes, uh, Intimate Conversations, which, uh, I think it would be really encouraging, you know, you could listen when you work out or what have you, just to keep this elevated conversation of what's possible going on. Um, I'm not sure if, um, I'll probably just give you the links, but I have like a, a training on my women's site. Um, I have the free chapter of my book um, that just came out, Seven Steps to Manifesting Your Beloved While Staying Absolutely True to Yourself. So I have a lot of free resources that I'd like to give you that I'll give Tracy the links to. Um, and just mainly, I'd love you to be in my world. My newsletter isn't this sort of salesy, like whatever thing. It's like, well, this time, well, we, we made love in the morning and then, and then I interviewed, Tracy interviewed me. And then I, like, I just tell the day of what really happened, like the good, the bad, the ugly. So you feel really safe to be transparent, vulnerable, sexy as hell, cry your face off, shot of tequila, whatever. Like just the reality of what it takes to move through life at this time. It doesn't have to be pretty. And together we, we rise. So I have a beautiful community. I'd love you to be a part of just the, the story and let me support you. That's wonderful. And I love that you are so authentic. And I love that how you work is authentic. Mm. Again, all about authenticity. And I really feel it's important because I don't believe that people are above other people. No. I believe that my experience, your experience, anybody who's out there talking, it's bringing that experience home because so many people don't have somebody in their neighborhood or in their circle that's going to share that with them that, hey, it's okay to be you. It's okay to go through all sorts of shit mm -hmm. and you're still going to come out and be okay. You're still alive. Mm -hmm. And that's the point. Mm -hmm. So um, I really appreciate you coming on today. You've been a spark of energy for sure. And, <laughs> Thank you. you know, and, and you're sharing, I know so many people that listen to my podcast or, you know, that I work with that have been in similar circumstances to what you've been going through. So mm. I know they'll be totally relating to it. I know you guys out there are probably loving this, right? So anyways, Alana, I hope to have you back on again at some point. And um, meanwhile, thank you, thank you, thank you. And everybody, 
Thank you for tuning in as well. And I will be seeing you again, talking to somebody else about their darkest moment. See you soon. Bye-bye.